0: I am glad I was able to talk the Yeti down and no one else died. I have seen them hunt, they are quite dangerous. It is too bad we did not get there sooner. I worry that letting her walk away made her an enemy. What's most important though is that we made a new friend in Alvin. Let's see what Hundlestone has to offer in today's short quest, Long Rest.
1: Welcome back to Short Quest Long Rest and our ongoing series of Icewind Mail. Last session, if you will recall, you left the relative safety of the town of Fireshear and heading northeast along the road towards Icewind Dale, encountered unpleasant weather conditions, a whiteout blizzard that left you stranded in a small cavern which turned out to be comparatively safe uh, in regards to your initial fears that you were perhaps lurking in the lair of some beast you had a visitor during this brief time in which you were off the road a small arctic fox that sought shelter in the cavern alongside you where you learned that one of your companions can speak with foxes as if knowing their language on an intimate level. This was not the only surprise in the language department, for later, on encountering a yeti on the road attacking a man who had already killed its companion, found that Dreamer here speaks the tongue of the yetis managed to get rid of, and by which I mean shoo away, the remaining yeti, which hauled off the corpse of its companion, presumably for later fe- feasting. That's messed up. Yeah. You were invited to spend the evening, share the warmth and comfort of a very tiny cabin, it was pretty packed when you got in there, of one Alvin Shorthelm presumably a relative of the man you are delivering some mithril bars to after a night's uh, a night of drinking you find yourselves waking the next day with bright skies and a clear road ahead of you
2: too bright i would imagine and
1: hundlestone waiting at least 10 miles away what i would ask is in this small and i would say probably 20 by 20 cabin here in the morning what are each of you doing?
3: Sleeping.
1: What is your routine?
3: No, I think Rian's getting up pretty early because he always gets up early, even after drinking, to do like his his stretches and his calisthetics and stuff, and buff his armor and and all that fun stuff. But uh, but uh, when this when he wakes up this time, I think this is the first time you guys would have noticed it. But he uh, so at some point I think he lost his shirt in the middle of the night, and so he wakes up, you know, shirtless. And you may notice that he has uh, on his, like kind of over his heart, a very ornate designed, it almost looks like a tattoo, but uh, strange markings that kind of swirl around and, you know, like almost like a teal and uh, like a black kind of mixed in that. Yeah, it's just like a, a very strange design.
0: I have an important question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How toned is rian <laughs> these are hard these I'd are hard-hitting questions a, this is,
3: these are the hard-hitting questions and they're the important ones we must ask um, I would say that uh, I'd say he's pretty toned I'm not gonna say like bounce a quarter off his abs toned, <laughs> but I would say that uh, you know he's fit maybe a swimmer's build type oh. deal I mean he is a he sailor is so very the quarter
1: might get a get a little bit airborne but not enough to yes. like
3: yeah, exactly. Nothing to write home about. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like I'm, I'm sorry if I if I disappoint. So sorry, but without uh... <laughs> a shirt on, it was all right. Yeah. <laughs> eh.
1: I mean, at the same time, you look at your companions. Uh, I mean, I imagine that a, uh, Krellick is, bulky in the muscle department. Yeah, but I
4: imagine Krellick having like one of those like farmer guts.
2: Yeah, I was gonna say he's gotta have one yeah. of those like hard ale guts.
3: <laughs> yeah, where it's like it's <laughs> it's, it's like a yeah, rock. It's stiff as a rock, yeah. but it's like it still looks like a belly. <laughs> like the the he's, ones he's you see probably on every built like a
0: power lifter.
3: Yeah, exactly. He like every like tough man contest guy you ever see who looks like he's just a big chubby like let himself go, but somehow can like lift two battle axes over his head for like three hours at a time. <laughs> so I think uh, yeah,
2: I think at this point Felgren's still just groaning on the table where he fell asleep.
3: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, You'd probably find Rian doing (laughs) push-ups.
1: Which is really very funny because Alvin is sitting at the head of the table using what little space (laughs) there is to essentially kind of enjoy some cold breakfast rations in the morning.
3: Morning. Uh, Breakfast champions.
1: It has been incredibly polite to his house guests, has not woken you up from your slumber, but uh, the scent of nuts and berries dried nuts and berries is, is very strong in your nostrils as you kind of groan and turn your head and you feel with your eyes shut two fingers press into your forehead and just kind of slide your head back a couple inches away from his food
2: <laughs> uh, apologies <laughs> uh, is always, Don't mention always it always so bright in here <laughs> uh, it's brighter outside would you like to see <laughs> oh, oh. just kind of groan and sit up hair is not done looking all, <laughs> looking like he's got some pretty bad bad head
1: and uh, you see as you sit up uh, Rian, Alvin is like grabbing the table <laughs> which you notice now is very very wobbly like it's it's well made but it is old so it seems to have a little bit of looseness to it and he's watching Fell grinned very warily, as if concerned that more for his table than for this guy that might fall off it. <laughs> <laughs> I
3: think with with that, I'd be like, like, oh, I'm I'm very sorry there. Like one second, like, fell, fell, give, give me your hand here. I'll help you down, bud. Like, you're about to make that whole damn thing come down. Not fell. <laughs> ah, oh, sorry. I <laughs> grin. My apologies. Just, just here. Oh, get, give me your nimble hand. Nimble as a cat. I'll help you down. Do it myself. Oh, I'm sure you are. Why don't you have a shirt on? I, I. I'm not hundred percent sure. We got. Uh, what is that? He just pokes your chest. This? Uh, well, this it's a, a birthmark, I guess. I'm not hundred percent sure. From your rebellious days? <laughs> no. It's, I feel it's not like a t-
1: birthmark means you were born with it.
3: Yes, I'm well yeah, aware. exactly. I'm Thank not. Thank you. This, this wasn't Alvin. a tattoo. I, I never got this done. It. It's uh. Yeah, I've had it since I was since I was a boy. Since I was, a, as far as I know, I was born with it. Peculiar birthmark. I've actually had a few people mention it before but uh I mean how do I know? Well, I'm not one to talk. Oh, yeah, cuz you got the the all the stuff coming up your neck and stuff like Well, it's that all too.
2: over his like arms
3: and chest. Um it's right. everywhere. Oh, are those are those not tattoos? No. Interesting. I just assumed they were tattoos. Something from my mother's side. I'm not entirely certain. Hmm. Yeah, looks like we uh we both got some strange birthmarks then. Yeah water skin. <laughs> He'd like laugh and kind of reach towards his, his stuff sitting on the floor and toss a water skin to him. it just drains it.
1: You know, there is the, uh, and Alvin kind of jabs a finger at a uh, small barrel off to one side of the door, one that you had missed last night. You guys had finished drinking some of the alcohol that he had in the room. But there is what appears to be a small open barrel of it looks like water, if a little off-colored. Kind of more of a tannish.
2: Is this easy to obtain? Water.
1: Oh, that? That's... cider. The, uh... Yeah. Hmm. Well, alcohol keeps it a little fresher the longer out oh, here.
4: Oh,
2: god. Nevermind. Very mild. <laughs> no. He reassures. The
3: hand. Don't hurt a little hair of the dog that bit you. Mm-mm. Yeah, that's thats probably wise.
2: I
1: could boil something if you... Oh,
2: it's quite alright. Accommodating enough. Oh, I'm <laughs> gonna go outside. Tavini's
1: just Tavini's just sitting nearby, like
5: with a, a little bit of her morning rations, watching all of this uh, um,
1: happening, <laughs>
3: just munching all quietly. Yep, love it.
4: Girl like
1: cider. I'm actually uh,
3: drank a lot, so
1: <laughs> grateful for the excuse to head into town and uh, replenish my supplies. I, you'd said last night you were heading up to Hundlestone
3: Hey, that's right. Uh, I believe. Um, to say it was your father. We got to a package to deliver to. Wasn't that what you said? Yes. Okay, that's right. Sorry, it was a little loose last night. I, uh... Some things... Some things I'm not 100% sure actually happened. Or if I just imagined them. Or... Because you know, I swear to God, me and me and Grin were, were laughing together. And that's... That seems crazy. Impossible. It, exactly. He He knows what's up.
1: Well, I, uh... I let your friend out earlier this morning. He's just continuing to eat his breakfast. Which friend might that be? And he gives you this very confused look. You're, um... And he kind of opens his arms wide and flutters his fingers like something flying.
3: Oh, you mean Miri? Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, sweet girl.
3: She is a sweet girl, isn't she? That's my daughter.
1: I seem to remember you saying that last night.
3: I care for her. She's, She's very important to me, but, uh... Do you know where she Ugh. went? She she went outside? She's still
1: outside? Last I saw her a couple minutes ago, she's been, uh, crawling around in the trees out there.
2: Does Falkrin see her outside?
1: <laughs> uh, roll me a perception check.
2: She's gonna try to pounce on you. good at these. You always make me <laughs> roll them. <laughs>
3: Why do you make me roll perception? Do you keep asking. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Look at that hot yeah. roll. There it is, a solid <laughs> Sorry, two. <love>. Yeah. <laughs> and it makes it makes it yeah. makes sense. He wouldn't notice a goddamn thing right now. Exactly, drunk, and friggin', hung over. Yeah, so. you know,
1: uh, you know, and you've gone outside, right?
2: Oh yeah, he's outside. Yeah, so
1: stamping or stomping you. your way out into the cold. The weather is much calmer than it was the day you know, before he's like
2: rubbing snow uh, even a
1: little even a little warmer face. Yeah, under the morning sun <laughs> yeah the uh, it's very nice because all the pines nearby have this very heavy blanket of snow and you can see on a couple of them um, the tracks of small animals that may have been leaping from branch to branch and you hear distantly the chittering of squirrels and bird song and as you are heading off, into a little more concealed part of the uh, the clearing there, you hear a faint whoosh and feel a heavy thump between your shoulder blades.
2: I think you would just go <laughs> face first in the snow. <laughs> he does not have his legs under him at all.
1: <laughs> so, face first in the snow, you hear... What? <laughs> the, the muffled giggling of a small child.
2: He just, tur- and, he just uh, turned on his back.
1: Yeah, the weight sort of goes with you as you uh, roll over. And Miri is squatting in the snow a couple feet away, kind of giggling.
2: I wish I had the energy to be angry and feel it in my heart.
1: She sort of bares her teeth in this very wide grin. And before you know it, has like plowed her nose into the snow and almost completely buried herself tunneling under it.
2: Better run. <laughs> <laughs> like he just puts his hands on his stomach. He's just laying there now.
3: I just, <laughs> you're just in the snow.
2: Snow. This is this where snow. I live now. Uh,
3: <laughs> <laughs> Rian! Yeah, I think Rian at that point is already walking out to the, the, the entryway and calling out for Miri. They're like, "Mary, where oh, are, you? are you?" Here. like, "Visible for what?"
1: Felgrin is visible, Miri is not, but the snow is very much disturbed around him and there is a small lump sort of under the snow cover. Nice. Okay. What the hell happened to you, Your Grin?
2: Your pet attacked me. <laughs> <laughs>
1: you hear very muffled. A pet.
3: Basically a pet. Ah, she's no pet. Did she get you though? That's good. Oh, yes, getting me when
1: I'm hung over.
3: Yes, very impressive. Hey, sometimes you got to strike a, one of iron a small
1: bronze head emerges from the snow and there's like a small heap of it pe- uh heaped atop her uh, brow there mm-hmm. she kind of shakes it off and <sniffs> blows out her nostrils
3: you're like ah there you are i saw you've been you've been working on your attack i see
1: he never saw me coming I had a
3: girl. She his eyes. yeah <laughs> but in the future perhaps not uh not attacking those that uh don't know it's coming right off the bat, you know. Don't, don't test out your new your new skills on poor on poor Grin when he's uh when he's just waking up. I have up.
2: to say, attacking someone when their back is turned is the best way to do it. Hmm?
1: She nods in sage agreement.
2: He just he just, he'll push himself up. I think the cold has kind of woken him up. <laughs> and you know the shock of being assaulted.
1: How about the uh, the rest of Nefarious you?
2: Nefarious creature. Nefarious. <laughs> <laughs>
4: cider's outside so i guess Crowley would kind of be watching them cuz he went out to get some
1: it's uh it's just in the uh, inside the doorway so it's indoors but there's a small tin cup there on a shelf beside it that uh it only it seems there's only the one so you're just kind of have gotten that out unless you use one from your own mess kit and so there's no ladle it's literally just dragging it through uh, skimming the surface there and topping off
4: oh
3: tap off he does yeah i think rian kind of leans back in and looks through the door he's like <laughs> it's like starting early eh? what he offered <laughs> like
0: hey he did yeah, I, I won't judge
1: What's uh what's dreamer up to this morning alvin yes
0: how are your wounds this morning
1: you know as he kind of rolls his shoulder experimentally and as he does that he winces better but still uh Appreciate a softer bed in town.
0: Can I just make like a quick assessment?
1: Yeah, go ahead, roll me a medicine check.
0: Ugh. Ugh.
3: Four!
1: four. Yeah. Oh,
0: natty
3: one with a plus three.
1: I mean, to be fair, nat ones not necessarily apply on skill yeah. checks, yeah. but a four is a four. <laughs> and uh, he, he looks bruised, and you can see that there's uh, very plainly scabs that have formed. Kind of seems to be favoring his right shoulder. But he'll survive. That
3: means he won't survive.
2: Why don't you just give him one of your magic berries?
0: I would give out a magic berry to everyone. As sort of a routine, dreamer will have good berry (laughs) ready for everyone. Good berries. When they wake up.
1: Come get your good berries. Everybody wants your good berries? Ugh. Is that the, uh, is that breakfast this morning?
0: Yup. It can be.
2: It's just about the only thing uh, I'll be stomaching for a few
0: hours.
1: Alright. Do you want to, uh, roll that for me? Let's see how many you get.
0: I think it's ten. No matter what.
1: Mm. You're right. Thank you for reminding me. Alright. What is the, uh, the distribution here? One to everyone, or?
0: i give one to everyone with some despair.
1: Okay. Keeping the rest in reserve. hmm you, do you give one to Alvin? Yes. Alright. <laughs> and Alvin, as he accepts, you know, you you have this handful of berries and you're very, you know, meticulously passing one out to each person and he's just kind of watching this and as you go to offer one to him, he holds out his palm very skeptically and when you drop it into his hand, he kind of looks at it and looks to the others.
3: Yeah, for you to pop it and look at him and be like, trust me, it's good, it'll make you feel better.
1: And he kind of shrugs and tosses it into his mouth and oh, oh, well, that's good. Those are some good
2: berries. (laughs) They should call them them good berries.
3: Yeah, yeah. I don't know what they're called, but boy, that'd be a great name for them. Good berries. Where do you find
1: these? Like, those look fresh. Do you, um, I've never seen a plant like that.
2: Yes. Dreamer, I would love to hear where these berries (laughs) come from.
0: Well, I use some of my magic. To create them in my hand.
2: (laughs) Less exciting hoping for. But there it is. He is a magnificent storyteller. Truly can weave a magnificent yarn.
1: Keep up the good good work, work. dreamer. Incredibly useful. I uh, wish I had time to learn some of that. But if we're going to get into Hundlestone by mid-afternoon we should probably get going.
3: Hey, That'd be a good idea. I wrangle in Miri and Everybody, if you want to start getting, getting all set up and get your stuff together, like, we'll head out whenever you're ready. I'm
2: preparing. Just running fingers through his hair. Nice. Got his palmate. <laughs> yes. Oh, I meant your dapper Dan his, man. His, his favorite um, palmate.
1: If you need, I have a... And he, kind of point, he points to one of the walls in the cabin, and the mirror hung there is... Not clear glass. It's not a perfect reflection. It's really almost like just a polished sheet of iron where you can barely see your image <laughs> but more effective than just, you know, doing it by feel.
2: Um, well Falgren does have a disguise kit. Would that have a mirror? That's a very good
1: question. I would say that has a mirror. I think mirror. that makes
2: sense, right? So, you just use that.
1: Oh, see that you're obviously well prepared.
2: These looks don't happen on their own.
3: Rian sighs. <laughs> Rolls his eyes, just like, ugh. <laughs>
1: All right. Well, let's get going. I have a few traps to check before we uh, make our way into town.
2: Seeing that green little monster again, Rian. Oh,
3: I thought <laughs> you were talking about Miri at first. I was like, she's more like a, you know, bronzy color. So I'm like, oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, that's, uh you're right. It... Jealousy gets me every time. <laughs> I just, uh I just can't keep up with you, that are grin. And, mm-hmm. you know, as much as I try, as much as I try, it just... I can't. <laughs> and I think as he's doing it, he's like, put it. He's got his armor on, and he's like, he's very meticulous as far as making sure it's very like uniform and <laughs> like making sure it's 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 nice and smooth and whatever. He's like, yeah, I'll just, I'll never be able to keep up with you. <laughs> facetious. Oh, I am being facetious. How dare you? <clears throat> I am being nothing. But yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. I'm being a little facetious there. It's like, you ready to go, or do you need to spend another 20 minutes in the mirror there? (laughs) I'll finish up on the road. Sounds good. Everybody ready?
4: I am ready.
1: Uh, yeah. Yeah. All right, then. (laughs) All righty. So, initially, Alvin takes you, not immediately to the road, but to the same clearing where you had fought the Yeti the day before. Mm -hmm. The ground, still stained with you know, patches of blood. It's almost turned a uh, like this rusty red-brown on the snow there. There are obvious places where the tracks of small scavengers have come in to investigate the scent of, you know, blood and carnage and finding nothing, you know, trotted away disappointed. He indicates a narrow trail leading almost parallel to the road and for the next hour or so, takes you along that checking a variety of traps laid along its length every single one of them empty rabbit snares uh, there's a deadfall at one point and with each empty trap alvin just kind of grumbles and continues onward eventually bringing you back to the road it takes hardly more than three hours for you to finish your trek and as you come into hundlestone the First thing you notice are the columns of smoke coming from various parts of the town. Initially, a little alarming mm-hmm. uh, until you're reminded that this is very much a blacksmithing hub and you can hear distantly the you know cacophonous pings of different forge masters at their work. There's almost this d- layered sound to it as each of them is working on their own project in different distant parts of this place. He uh, takes you to a small business on the north end of town and there you see under a sort of covered awning a forge manned by a a man who shares the same look as Alvin a uh, very tall sort of dark-skinned gray-haired squint-eyed man who is utterly focused on what appears to be the shaping of a horseshoe. Alvin heads towards this covered area and pounds his fist on a wooden post loud enough to grab this man's attention. Father, I've brought some people that were here looking for you. And he makes a very sweeping gesture towards the group.
3: Nice to meet you. We're here to, uh, to uh, deliver some uh, a package from Griggle. I believe you're, you're familiar with him.
1: Falstaff Shorthelm pauses in his work at the name Griggle, and looking at the uh, the group, kind of gives a very sharp nod before returning to striking this uh, this horseshoe that he's currently working on. This glowing red as he shapes it uh, into its proper form. Not much of a talk. I uh, I am familiar oh. with him.
3: Well, he brought us here um, twofold, actually. Uh, first off, um, he wanted to, it was trade, right? He was talking about securing, like, uh, like a work of trade between the two of them also. Yes. With they admit You're like, well, he brought us, uh, with a little sample of some of his, uh, some of, uh, his items, I guess is the word I'm looking for. And, and I nod to Vini, because, was she carrying it or did I grab it from her? I had it, that's right. I grabbed the, the adamantine because it was so heavy. She
4: is very and small. Yes,
3: yeah, so I'd pull out, uh. <laughs> I'd pull out the the adamantine bar and kind of just hold it up a little bit. Like, like I think this might uh, show your interest. And also, uh, we brought you a n- new, uh, I believe uh, she's supposed to be apprenticing with you. Uh, this is uh, Tavini. She was uh, one of Griggle's apprentices.
1: Uh, uh, greetings. As you explain all this, he is, you know, you can plainly tell he's paying attention. Seems to be nodding along with your words, but his focus is... Almost wholly from there on his work. And uh, he says finally, Right, uh, just give me a few minutes to finish this up and I'll be with you. Alvin, can you take them inside? And Alvin gives him a very curt nod and looking to the rest of you gives a bit of a shrug and a grin and motions for you to follow him. You uh, enter, attached to this small business, a large sitting room uh, first passing through a sort of mud room where you're prompted to take your boots off or at least shake off the snow the interior of the kitchen the sort of common room that you're brought into is small round table in the center several cabinets a uh, cooking station off to one side and there is a dwarven woman there with the same sort of uh you know dark hair with steel gray elements in it who is currently bustling around the kitchen, seemingly cleaning up after preparing breakfast, and when uh, she sees Alvin, her face just lights up in this grin, Oh, my boy! And he kinda has to duck down for her to, uh, grab his cheeks and give him the little shake. (laughs) I wasn't expecting ya for another day or two. What brings ya? And who are these? And she kinda leans out around him to peer at the rest of ya.
3: Hi, we're just, uh, just uh, Luskar Deliverer's coming to drop off some some packages to your, I'm assuming your husband, because the way you're shaking oh, his yes. cheek, that means that's got to be your son. So, uh, but yeah, we're coming to drop off some packages and uh, maybe do some trading around here, and then we're heading up to Ten Towns afterwards.
1: And uh, she kind of pats Alvin's cheek and then motions for the rest of you to, uh, to take a seat in her small kitchen. I'd, uh, I'd offer you some hospitality, but I just finished, uh, cleaning up. Perhaps I can, I, I could put a kettle on? Would that you like sounds that? Sounds great. Right. And she bustles her, uh, or busies herself with preparing that, uh, talking all the while. You said you're from, uh, Alaskan, was it? I
3: uh, yes. That's where we, we, all signed on originally. Uh, well, some of us, we picked up a few, uh, a few stragglers along the way.
1: And, uh, we can't be the end of the road for you here. You didn't come all this way just to deliver to Hundlestone.
3: No, no, like I said, we're heading after this, we're, uh, we're packing up and heading up to Ten Towns. We still have over half our packages still delivered up there, and we assume that most of them are around that area.
1: Oh, I'm almost sorry to hear it. Ten Towns has, uh, been a changed place the last few years.
3: Of course it has. So we've heard.
1: Aye, you don't see a lot of visitors from there anymore, nor many going to it.
3: Have you, have you heard any news about it as far as... I've heard there's, uh, there's been some troubles up there, but we, we haven't gotten any, you know, exact, uh, reports or anything. Just want to make sure, I actually have Kin up there, just want to make sure everybody's alright.
1: I don't know that you'd, uh, hear anything accurate. Everything coming from there is, uh, about, you know, it being dark up there all the time, which, and she kind of leans and glances out the window where the sun is, you know, pretty high overhead. It's about noon or just past. Mm-hmm. I don't understand how on the other side of the mountains there could be no sun. I don't believe it myself.
3: Aye, we're gonna be heading up there. We can get the truth of it, but uh, I was hoping you'd have more more details, see what we're walking into.
2: Terms like endless night are hard to believe. Aye.
1: Pretty nights, though. You see the lights from the, uh, the aurora on the other side of those mountains sometimes. Very beautiful.
3: guess you take the silver linings where you can.
1: She nods at that. That's what I taught my Alvin.
3: Hey, wise woman. It's how my mom taught me too.
1: Oh, your mother's a wise... Wait, you already said that. (laughs) (laughs) She (laughs) kind of gives you a very broad grin. Seems to be a a very cheerfully disposed dwarf. And she uh, starts setting out tea mugs as the kettle begins whistling. And about that time, her uh, husband, Foulstaff, comes in and you can hear him in the mudroom sort of shaking and stomping snow and mud off his boots and as he comes in she sort of snaps her fingers at him and points uh, back to the mudroom nice you don't wear those boots into my household (laughs) aw woman uh, uh, it's my own house too right but we have guests I'm allowing them to wear them but not you
2: (laughs) just smiles (laughs) <laughs>
3: He's just yeah, looking like, back and forth. <laughs> green has got a big grin on his face, too. He's like, "Oh, I love this woman.
1: Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so Falstaff just kinda gives all of you this look of don't say a goddamn word yep. before going back out into the mudroom and you can <laughs> hear him grumbling good-naturedly as he pulls his boots off and comes out or back into the kitchen in, uh, you know, sort of this not dirty gray, but very much off white socks
2: your maiden name wouldn't be iron fist by chance would it
3: <laughs> we would laugh at that <laughs> he's cracking up no
1: i'm not a no Oh,
3: just
4: curious
1: but does that name have significance to you
3: i think he's just no yeah that there might if you say no he just stops he's like oh, okay we'll just we'll just let that joke lie then <laughs> <laughs>
2: Um, just r- reminded me of someone, that's all.
1: I 12, I'm sure that she's an impressive woman.
3: You
1: mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> could say that. Could say she rules over her household. And <laughs> Alvin...
1: <laughs> 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 and uh, Alvin, when Falstaff comes in, kind of like, grabs the bottom of his chair and scoots it over and uh, there being no free seats available at the table, his father... Much like the wife sort of snaps his fingers and motions Alvin up, and with a grumble, he gets up, and Falstaff <clears throat> takes his place right, peck and order in the house has already been established
3: <laughs> rolls downhill, but uh, you have my condolences, I'm, like nod towards Alvin,
1: <laughs> yeah, he's kind of standing behind his father and rolling his eyes, but you know has that cheerful grin that this family all seems to share amongst one another's, but uh Falstaff. You know, tips back in the chair and uh, taking up Alvin's tea. (laughs) I was sort of drinks about half of it down before putting it back. Right. Savage. (laughs) So, uh, you came here with a delivery for me.
3: I I take the adamantine and kind of slide it across the table a little bit to him. I'm sure it doesn't go far because it's not like it's gonna slide across the old ass wooden table. But
1: yeah, it it kind of it almost scrapes a little. (laughs) It's very dense. (laughs) And, uh it's,
3: it's not as cool get, as I wanted it to be.
1: <laughs> it gets about halfway to him before he kind of motions, uh, let me do it. And he reaches it's over and picks it, it up. <laughs> and it's a uh, good effort. hefts it with this bit of a, almost a bit of a groan, because it is a very well-made bar. And he turns it over and peers at it very closely.
5: And Tavini will produce the letter that came with the package. Oh, She's yeah. been keeping oh. it in a journal.
1: He, uh, he sets the bar down and with a very curious look sort of accepts the letter and for about a minute or two sits there in silence reading it over before looking at you, Tavini. He, uh... This bit about a new forging method or refinin'. Would you happen to, uh... know any details for me? And he leans over, like, as if eager for a secret.
5: Uh... Uh,
1: not as much as Griggle does. Oh, not on here, I was hoping uh, I might be able to reproduce something like this myself. This is very finely made.
3: Well, start tr- trading with Griggle, and I'm sure that might be a possibility at some point.
1: His, his, uh, his
5: forge is very, very, uh, complex, and, uh,
1: yes. You know, the last I recall of Griggle, he was a complex man. <laughs> How is the old bat?
2: As crazy as ever.
1: That strikes me as a given.
2: Yeah, I. Cheerful in his way.
3: Continuously looking for methods.
1: Oh, there were methods.
2: I still don't think he knows what they are.
3: Yeah, ask uh, yes, him. No, no, there wasn't methods. And memory of a goldfish.
2: That's a good way to explain it. But. It's he seemed to have found a new lady love somehow. still don't understand how that happened.
1: And uh, at the at the way that Falstaff's eyebrows kind of lift uh, he can't believe that either. But uh, you do hear you know sort of the Mrs. Falstaff back there. Oh well, has he found someone now? Oh knew that old dog would find somebody.
2: Nathan Felker just shakes his head. He still just doesn't understand.
3: Yeah, <laughs> well, if you thought so, then it's newest to us because it seemed pretty shocking to us.
1: Oh, you know, sometimes a lady likes a bit of mystery.
3: Yeah. Or it's just <laughs> straight up insanity. That might be the thing, too. <laughs> well,
2: <clears throat> if she likes being surprised. Yeah, oh, there's. Picked a good one.
3: <laughs> Get the nail on the head on that one.
1: Right, um. Well, thank you for delivering this. I, uh, have payment for you for delivering this letter to me. I don't suppose you're heading south that you can take my response later.
3: Unfortunately, we are heading north from here, but, uh, if we come back this way and you still haven't found somebody to take it, would definitely be glad to, but my compatriots might, but unfortunately I, I plan on staying up near ten-, ten Towns once I get up there.
2: My road goes north. I'm, I'm I am sorry.
1: I would wait, but uh, there's a reason I had children. And he kind of looks over his shoulder <laughs> at Alvin. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> well, I am going back south again. And uh, kind of reaches past his dad, takes up the half-finished cup, and tosses it back, finishing it. And as he does, you see him wince. And like a hawk, his mother shoo, fixates on him. Well, what happened there? Uh, oh, boy. Yeti.
2: Um, two yetis.
1: Oh, well, I suppose... Your, bo-
2: your, bo- your boy did murder one spectacularly. I will say.
3: He did handle himself well.
1: Alvin <laughs> seems to be withering under her glare. <laughs> <laughs> and... Can't help you anymore. After a moment, she brightens. Oh, well, I suppose you helped him take care of the other.
3: In a way... We kept it from killing him. That's important.
1: Ah, uh, thank you for that. Uh, you know, I didn't introduce myself. My name's Grimelda. But, uh, you saved my lad's life.
3: I'm sure he would have been fine on his own. He didn't, uh, he probably didn't even need us. He totally needed us. Yes, he totally Definitely. needed us. But, <laughs> but we'll, we'll make Alvin <laughs> yes. sound like a, like a hero here. It was good time.
1: Grimelda kind of looks over you at that answer. And then looks to Grin.
2: He just raises his (laughs) brows.
1: And then looks back to Alvin, who gives this very sheepish, like, shrug. Right. Right. Falstaff. And he kind of, huh? Yep. That bar there. Yeah. I can't imagine you're going to send it back to uh, Griggle there in the south. No, I, uh, I mean, I should probably, if I'm going to make a deal with him, test it first well, why uh, don't you uh offer our guests a bit of a uh, compensation for having delivered it and saved your boy's life? And Falstaff kind of scratches his belly there. And uh, looking over the group, is this the uh, only bar you have?
3: Mm-hmm. One and only. Um, well... a few... Yeah, I was gonna say, do we do we want to oh. let him know that we have? Because... Yeah, uh... Uh, Adam got him back at the beginning, where the first time we met him, he gave it, didn't you give it, like, what'd you get, like, Yeah, three?
4: Not not yeah. as good quality, but I have a few.
1: Alright, uh, how many? I can, I mean, Alvin is my only son, I should reward you for your efforts. I could offer a bit of gold, but I also have any kind of jerks' his thumb in the direction of the forge through the wall. The, uh, pair of us together, as Alvin here has assisted me on the smithy, could prepare you something for your adventure north.
4: Hmm. Interesting. Aye, that sounds promising. I think.
1: And I, uh, and he kinda gives you a very keen look, Krellick, and then glances at your hands. I know that look. You're a, uh, uh you've worked the forge yourself.
4: I. It was, seems like a different life, but I
1: used to. To be willing to dust off those skills, we can probably finish by, uh, let's say, probably finish by even fall, Depending on what you wanted to have made.
4: Uh, aye, oh, I can do that.
1: Right. Well, this quality of adamantine, and he kind of prods the bar that he had set down next to the letter... I could probably produce a, uh, a shield with a single bar of this quality uh, If you're looking for a suit of armor Anywhere from two to three bars Weapons! You know, I I could manage a, uh, you know, perhaps A long sword with two bars Maybe even a hammer with three if you really want a uh, Something for cracking skulls uh, Any of that appeal to you?
4: I all appeals to me, but he's gonna I guess he's gonna drop his pack and pull out his three bars and set them on the table that's uh, that's all I got
1: and he takes the three bars and sort of adds them to the the stack with the one bar that you had brought with Tavini and looking from it to each of you at the table
2: Mm -hmm.
1: well if you uh, want some time to debate what you would like made I can return to my work. I've got some horseshoes to finish.
3: Hey, it'd probably be best if we did discuss this a little bit. It's like, I know the I know adamantine weaponry and armor is some of the best in the world, so... Like,
1: uh... Oh, and, uh, when it's made by the best blacksmith and he kind of gives a wink before nice. uh, pushing himself to his feet, he, uh, clasps Alvin on the shoulder briefly and gives him uh, an affectionate look before... Stomping back out into the mudroom. You can hear him tugging on his boots. And Grimelda calls after him. Uh, don't forget, uh... Well. No, I'll, uh, we'll, we'll go over that detail later. And she kind of gives Ichi a mischievous look.
0: <laughs>
3: mm-hmm. I'm confused. I'll... We'll talk about it later. When you're little older, we'll discuss it.
1: But, uh... Dagny, you He's wanted just to say
3: a boy. something?
5: Uh, when she, when Tavini sees the blacksmith heading out, she will, like, hop off her (laughs) seat and follow after, after him and be like, Uh,
1: uh, could, could I, uh, observe what you do? You sort of catch him in the middle of tugging on his second boot. And he looks up and bent over double, he's about your height. And after a moment, yes, you can come and join me outside. You have an interest in the forge, and he looks from your face to that symbol of Moradin about your neck. Uh, yes, yes. Very much so. Hmm, Far be it from me to uh, stifle interest in the forge master's work. And he finishes tugging on his boot and sort of holds the door open for you to head out into the cold ahead of him and it is cold but you're dressed warmly able to be comfortable in these conditions the sounds of the different forges across town which had been stifled in the kitchen now ring loudly in the cold air seeming to carry over great distance and there's a lot of hustle and bustle through the streets as people are kind of going about their business a lot of very muscular people considering that this town is fairly well known for its mining business he leads you around to the covered awning and its forge and points to a very roughly shaped horseshoe the one that he had been working on previously That. Still needs a bit of grinding down and shaping. But uh, we're going to start with a uh, a new one. Have you worked with horseshoes before? Uh, yes. Uh, yes. And you see as he goes over to where there is a, uh, a bucket of long, sort of a medium width iron bars. Each of them about a foot and a half long or so. I uh start with these and we're just gonna shape them into their curve and you know they need a bit of reshaping depending on the uh horse that you're working with but I like to have them started before we uh meet up with different owners I'm no farrier but it's good practice and while you two are uh Working on that together, heading back into the kitchen. What are you guys going to have made?
3: That is a gr- This is, like, serious question and debate, and we might have to do some roll-offs on this. Like... Because... I'm not sure if everybody's aware, but... Like... Adamantine armor means... You can't be critted. Adamantine weapons essentially mean that if you hit, you crit. Mm. I'm looking at the Adamine, adamantine longsword. Whenever you hit object with this o- weapon... Oh, maybe it's an object. object. Sorry, object. Sorry, my bad. So when you hit an object with this weapon, you crit. So you can break shit really easily. So, okay, that's that's not as good. But, I don't know. I'd, I'd probably put a sure. vote for Adam getting some adamantine armor, at least with part of it.
2: I mean... Uh, as you guys are discussing this, Filgrid is just interested in his nails. Nice. In cleaning them. Yeah, I guess
3: you don't... There's nothing. I mean, I guess an adamantine nothing. dagger or something doesn't do you a whole ton of good. Like, what are you going to do? Break down a door with it?
2: If we're splitting it evenly, I'll take mine in
3: bar form. <laughs> like, well, I think this one is more... uh Probably best if we we find a good use for it. And Gold is useful. Aye, but an unparalleled set of armor... That's that's quite a bit more useful than you know some pittance of gold.
2: To each their own. I think I could
4: use the new shield. Hmm.
2: As far as I'm concerned, they are. At least those three are yours, aren't they?
4: Aye, But
2: then do with them
3: as you will.
4: So what do you ought to do with them?
3: I don't know. Suppose you ought to figure that out. Yeah, I mean, I guess we could we could play it that way, and that's that's perfectly fine because that's what I would I was thinking of doing anyways was. I so wanted. It's definitely of the mind of ownership. Gotcha. It's nine tenths of the law. Yeah. And and I was thinking Krelik for armor or shield or whatever, either way. So, so yeah, essentially, yeah. whatever you want to do with those three. So, essentially, and we're then... spending
4: all this on Krelik. Uh, not all of it. <laughs>
3: I mean, there's, there's four bars. She said two or three for armor, one for shield. I'd, I'd
2: imagine since you're a dwarf, it would be two?
1: The way that it works is if you're doing a shield, it's going to cost one bar. Mm-hmm. Medium armor will be two. Heavy armor is going to be three. And oh, if, we're okay. talking, if we're talking weapons, a light weapon or ten pieces of ammunition is going to be a single bar. So that'll be like arrowheads, darts, etc. Gotcha. If you're looking at one-handed melee weapons, that's going to be rapier, long sword, short sword. That's going to be two bars. Oh, wait, no. Short sword is technically light, so it be one bar. And a heavy weapon is going to take three bars. The
2: way I see it, when Krelik is hit by things, he doesn't fall down often. It's true. If he doesn't fall down, they're less likely to hit me. <laughs> I I will not argue that logic. If he has better armor, he won't fall down even less. Or more. More, I should say.
4: <laughs> That's quite eloquent. I. Oh,
2: oh, nice hey. can't be on all the time
1: this is an opportunity with three bars this is only you know coming from me as a suggestion mm-hmm. to snap up some adamantine plate
3: yeah that's kind of, yeah that's that's where my head was at because that is like you really don't get as much as cool as a shield would be like i know it only costs you one bar but if you wanted... I would be fine if you wanted to take three of those, Krellick, and, and get adamantine plate. Because... Can get, you can get that and a shield. That's true. If you want to use all four bars, that's that's everything. Well, I mean,
2: that's only one bar left. I mean, what else so do you make? True.
3: That's true. You know? Other than that, we're talking like... I don't really need a short sword or anything. I don't care about that. Oh. Nope. And there was a possibility of getting a warhammer, but that's two. So that, that doesn't equal out anyway. So... Because him with a warhammer, if, if we did have one more bar... And give him the armor and a Warhammer, because then that Warhammer would essentially be just a portable battering ram for us to go through anything we wanted.
2: Yeah, so with that extra bar, I mean, Felgrid does know a very nice charity that could use a nice adamantique <laughs> bar.
3: Yeah, the, the, the save a Grin Foundation. <laughs> <laughs> of
2: Latter-day Saints. The Pay-For-My-Drinks-For-A-Month <laughs> <Yeah, of> la- <laughs> pay Foundation. Yeah, the, of
3: <laughs> the Latter-day Patrons.
1: Now, keep in mind that there there is a very small class of creatures that, while adamantine weapons are not technically magical, mm. there are some creatures that are resistant to weapons that are made of the typical steel, iron, etc., mm. but are not resistant to adamantine weapons. There's, okay. It's a very like sort of narrow window where you know creatures vulnerable to uh, nothing that isn't adamantine or silver. But before you get into, like, oh, it's resistant to non-magical weapons.
2: So, Krillik will be big, loud, and wearing shining, sparkling armor.
3: Yep.
2: Okay. a perfect
3: target that isn't me. There you go. Now, meta-speaking... I this. Yeah, I was gonna say, meta-speaking, if we give him the... The only thing about giving him the plate and the shield, it's like a hat on a hat. There's no reason to have non-critible stuff for both those things. You know what i'm saying so well it almost feel like if someone's gonna use a short sword or something else it might almost be bad. i don't even know what we what would be good you also
4: other than you that. also use a shield
3: yeah but even i mean don't get me wrong that does sound great but that's short i mean that's two levels after soon as i hit level well i guess i will be using it for because I said I was gonna be go cool versatile. And and so Dreamer like, wouldn't use it because it's metal. Yeah, that's right. He can't Dreamer. use them. I was gonna
0: say, well, yeah, Dreamer uses a shield. I was like, oh shit. Dreamer's right. not using like metal. chiming in. <laughs> well, no, you could he's...
2: always hold on. You could always hold on to it, and uh, you know, maybe you get more adamantine later.
3: That's not a bad call. I mean, there's there's no reason why we have to spend it now, and just hold on to it or sell it later for something. If, if like we a
2: yeah, if we're in a tight spot, you'd sell yeah. it for. For
3: gold or yeah it's because it goes for a shit ton doesn't it it's like yeah it's
2: pretty it's, it's, it's pretty in like pricey. thousands right there's a reason Philgrin wanted it yeah Oh i know but he there is, out, is also he is outnumbered so
1: if you weren't going to do plate armor you could do two sets of medium
3: well it oh. depends what are you going adam i'm heavy do you are do you, do you yeah, you're he's, heavy he's, I was a, gonna heb- say. he's yeah, a heavy yeah, boy so. yeah so i guess i mean I'm, I'm speaking for you and saying you should but so it's, it's up to you though like if you want a shield like a really cool shield that's completely understandable if you want no i think i mean
4: acrylic's fine with uh using his shield he's kind of sentimental to it i can dig it
3: sweet yeah so yeah i think the adamantine plate would be perfect for you because that that is that's huge that's like that's literally some of the best armor you can have in the game like the only thing's better if we can get this thing enchanted at some point and get you a plus one okay. and it doesn't
0: require attunement
3: yeah exactly it doesn't it doesn't require attunement for that so it
0: just works <laughs> so, yep
3: so, so it doesn't take up a slot
4: probably calls, take one of the bars put them back put it back in his pack and take the other three out of the forge
3: like it. okay sounds like uh a, a plan to me let me know if that bar gets too heavy.
1: All right. How many of you are heading out to the forge? How many of you are remaining in the kitchen?
2: Yeah, uh, Felgrid will stay inside.
1: <laughs> All right.
0: Not interested in that process.
1: How about a? How about Dreamer?
0: This discussion about armor has Dreamer sort of inspecting himself, looking at his makeshift
2: self-conscious. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Go on. Sorry.
0: I feel so <laughs> exposed. Nice.
3: I actually thought about that. Could we, like, graft adamantine onto you? Like, well, onto your. It's metal, so. Yeah, druid plus metal, no go. Yeah. Oh, that's true.
1: It is very interesting because Grimelda has taken a very keen interest in you, Dreamer, as the others kind of shuffle out. She fills her own mug with, you know, tea from the uh, small fireplace off to one side and. You know with both of her hands these very broad dwarven hands almost' concealing the cup kind of leans across the table towards you so what's your story
0: he'll just blank a couple times with his eyes blink, flickering blink. Blink, blink. what and then <laughs> 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 you
1: know Velger,
2: Velger just kind of palms his face
0: <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> where are you from uh who made you
0: he'll sit there think for a second it's been a long time since i have thought about my maker i don't know if i can really recall his name i remember his face very well but words words lose meaning as you lose their attachment to them if that makes sense it doesn't to me felgrid shakes his head at the
1: same time that Felgren is shaking his head grimelda who's just riveted leaning across the table is nodding slowly oh he's so mysterious oh.
4: <laughs>
2: <laughs> there's a difference between mysterious and confused
1: you know before i came up here to hundlestone i lived in waterdeep and i tell ya, you yeah you don't often see warforged and, and none like you but you know I, there was one i recall very interesting chap he uh went around with a big hammer across his back and i know he fought in the arena down there i don't recall him being very good i never heard any stories but had this you know almost a bit of a melancholy to him and i don't know why you just reminded me of that thanks (laughs) oh you're welcome dear if it's anything to you i don't know that there are any Warforged forged people like yourself up north. But if you come across any, I mean, tell them Grimilda says hi. I do, I do. I'm just so fascinated.
0: Note to any Warforged, hello from Grimalda <laughs> If you ever see one, ever.
1: She offers you a very broad grin and kind of, you know, leans back in her chair more comfortably, you know, sips her tea and looks about the kitchen. And, uh, you lad, looking at Felgren, I can't say that I see many Teflin through, uh, Hundlestone either. They're the most colorful bunch I've seen, uh, through this little town in, uh, in years.
2: Oh, you have no idea. We're all colorful in our own way.
1: You should, uh, you should see my Falstaff's birthmark. Now that's colorful. He's got this red wine port stain. <laughs> I-, I don't imagine that's what you mean.
2: Hmm. No, but go on. <laughs> <laughs>
1: you see smiles. this this red flush sort of cover her cheeks? I- I'd best not go on about that. Mm. <laughs> Understood. Are there any uh, I don't. shopping you need doing here in town? I might know some places.
2: Suppose I could use trail rations. I uh, fed a
0: lot to a fox. Are my berries not good enough for you? Variety is the spice of life. Dreamer. This is true. Hey, okay, can't that
3: one.
1: Well, I uh. I can't imagine why you'd feed a fox, I mean, I do occasionally get them out in my bin behind Mm. the house, but, uh, never thought of deliberately feeding them. You know, I do believe I can supply you a few things myself. Uh, make a mean jerky.
2: That sounds great. It actually does sound pretty good. If it's not too much
1: trouble. Oh, nah. Anyway, (coughs) I got a good feeling about you and your group. And I, I always know these things. I get a sense.
3: here hmm. I've had nothing but bad feelings about this group since I met you.
1: And uh,
3: he just kind of looks at you. <laughs> I'm caden, you know I'm caden. Do I? As you it depends on the day.
1: Heading out to the forge, Kralik, you come upon a scene of Tavini, who has since sort of been recruited in the effort of making horseshoes. Falstaff has supplied her with some calipers that, Tavini, they're large enough that you have to hold them with both hands. <laughs> and he sort of has directed you to hold a now red hot steel bar over the anvil as he is directing you on how to turn this bar so he's able to hammer the beginnings of what will become a horseshoe into shape. And on. Seeing you, Krelik, he kind of glances up briefly and, you know, refocuses again on his work. Let me uh, finish up here with young Tavini here. It'll uh, be a few minutes and then. Did you decide on what you were gonna have made?
4: I. I think I'm gonna get armor.
1: Ah, took you for the type. And how about you, little lass? Are you, uh, situated with armor yourself? Uh.
5: Yeah. Yes. I, I have,
1: uh. And she, like,
5: tugs at the chainmail that she's wearing. I. I. This was, uh, my first armor project.
1: And you watch as, even though he's still focused on the horseshoe, his gaze kind of flickers to you. And you're able to see his face, because obviously, you know, you're lower and there beside him with the calipers. I don't know that I would have any sets of armor that would suit a lass of your size but i do have connections here in town and i need to thank you for what you did for my son uh i uh, uh thank you is all uh i require and he kind of grunts as if dissatisfied with that but continues his work after about 20 minutes or so you finish shaping this uh the beginnings of a horseshoe it's gonna take a Bit more work, but he does set it aside and motion for Krellick to join him. Right, what sort of armor are we doing?
4: Ah, uh, we're doing plate, the heavy stuff.
1: The heavy stuff, well, let's get started then, huh? Eh?
3: Hi, <laughs> heavy stuff. That's heavy, Doc. <laughs>
1: heavy so, what I would like from you guys, uh, both Tavini and Krellick, you are both proficient in smithing tools, aren't you? Mm-hmm. Yes. Alright. So, I will allow you to either assist one another, give one of you advantage, on a roll to see what sort of quality armor we run out of, or come out of here with. Or, uh, you could both roll. You're gonna be doing two successive rolls. So either advantage on both of those or one of you does one, the other does the other. Mm-hmm. Depending on the result, we might have some uh, additional goodies coming your way. Ooh. V- I believe in you guys. Tavini would
5: before all of this, she would start with a prayer to Moradin. Bless the, the forge and their work. Um, as for rolls, I... What do you think? Do it together
4: or separate? I think Krellik used to do this, but he hasn't done it for a while so I think he would be more comfortable assisting her than actually making it himself since she's all about it she's praying to the forge
1: <laughs> alrighty so Tavini if you want to give me the first of your smithing rolls with advantage
2: I nail it. Yep. and
1: you uh, are you casting Bless on yourself or I don't think Ooh. Bless I don't think Bless does ability checks. Oh, yeah, you know, hold on. Here I am thinking, what did I...
2: You might, uh, maybe Guidance?
1: Guidance. That's the spot. Yeah, I don't have that at the moment. Ah, uh, uh, gotcha.
3: I don't know if you, can you put Guidance on yourself? That's a very good question. I don't know. I'd like to use my skill pep talk.
1: <laughs> <laughs> then, for the sake of the prayer that you send up to Morden, make me a religion check before you begin. Alright, 13. So, grasping the amulet to Morden about your neck, you murmur a brief prayer, and you do notice that Falstaff kind of, you know, bows his head through the extent of it, and afterwards, and you begin your work here at the forge, would you give me the first of those smithing checks? Uh, what would that be? Cause there's no... That would be a 1d20, well, let's see... A heavy armor plus strength. Plus proficiency? So whatever your strength modifier is, as well as your proficiency bonus. So that's the first one. Do you want to roll the second one? And if for you hit advantage?
3: shift up, you can just repeat it and it'll pop right back up to the last one.
1: Alrighty. So eleven. Starting your work. It is a little intimidating having two older, more established blacksmiths working over your shoulder. Falstaff, stif- you know, they're off to one side, sort of acting as an assistant in the same capacity as Kralik is able to guide you, help correct some mistakes that you make in the beginnings of shaping this armor. If you would like to give me your next two rolls.
3: Nice. Nice. Okay,
1: 23. Nice. Alright. Slapped it.
3: Yeah, hell and yeah. Nat 20 on the with... last one.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah it is. hell
3: yeah! that's a nat twenty. I don't know why I didn't show it as is is green. Green, it is. Probably
1: because it wasn't like a deliberate skill check. Oh, gotcha. Um, but yeah, that's slap. awesome. Yep. Alrighty.
3: You a forging fool. So
1: with both Foulstaff and they there, sort of guiding you, and that prayer to Moradin said before the forging process, you start gaining your confidence. It is almost as if you can feel your god channeling through your work, and it's a bit like that sensation when you were first forging your symbol to Moradin. You know, you can almost feel the forge master's presence there at your side, and even Falstaff is kind of giving your very small halfling self, as you're concentrated on your work, some appreciative glances as through your own sort of very tiny cleverness, because you are a very intelligent young woman, you are able to almost minimize how much metal you have to be using, or sorry, I should say, craft probably the most efficient set of heavy armor that the town has seen in a long time yet. And by the time that you are finished, there is enough material that if you wanted to use that last bar, you could probably forge a one-handed weapon. (laughs) <laughs>
3: Ooh. what you gonna make what you gonna make to me what you gonna make <laughs> uh
1: i'm wondering if maybe because it's you know
5: uh
1: two bars yeah i'm wondering if you could also do medium armor well i was thinking maybe
5: because of its being you know morden's kind of symbol maybe
1: a hammer would be a good idea Ooh. great thinking So we're doing a... To honor Moradin. So we're doing a Warhammer to Moradin with the last of the metal there. Is a Warhammer the right size? I don't know if that's the right size. A Warhammer is versatile. So it'd be just on the extent. It is technically one and two-handed. Otherwise, let's see. Hammers. Maybe a mace that's hammer-shaped. Let's see, you would be able to make... Oh, you want to do a mace. Yeah, maybe a
5: mace that's hammer-shaped just because it's not as big.
1: Yeah, of course. So if you want to, with Krellick's assistance, roll me a third advantaged check here. (laughs) So that moment of inspiration allows you to really very efficiently forge a set of heavy plate armor that is then set aside to cool and be polished up and by this time Alvin has come outside and he's working on that part of it making sure that all the rough edges of which there are very few are ground down and the armor is polished as best it can be for such a sort of rushed job tackled by many hands you're starting to feel the wariness of You know, having struck again and again with a hammer, you know, metal on the anvil. It is seeping into your bones. You can almost feel with every blow your shoulder starting to rattle out of its socket. But you do manage to craft a very serviceable mace. Um, A little smaller, but perfectly appropriate for your size. (laughs) To somebody who wasn't a halfling or one of the small folk... It would probably be considered a light weapon. In your hands, it is ideal.
4: That was nicely done there.
1: Yay! Uh, Tavini's very, very happy. She's
5: smiling, like sweating but smiling.
1: And it—it uh, it certainly is very interesting because the four of you who are outside working on this project collectively only then notice, as you finish, that it is utterly dark out. The night has probably fallen about an hour ago and it's only by the light of the forge that you've continued to work and a handful of lanterns that somebody at one point must have come out of the house to hang up it is almost peaceful in town now as darkness seems to have caused the cessation of all other work there is no more that distant ringing of work at different forges aside from The one you've just finished as it goes quiet as well. Alvin kinda stands up and stretches and you can hear his back crack. Aight. Um good work. I wasn't expecting. And he kinda looks you up and down, Tavini. I mean no offense. And his father kinda reaches down and thumps you between the shoulders. (laughs) Fair work there. Who trained you? Ah, I, I was trained up north in, in, in Ten Towns. Ten Towns. There's a couple of quality masters up there. None so great as here in Hundlestone, but I can I can see that. Must have been quite a... Uh, trying to recall the names of some of them up there. Well, I'll, I'll remember it over dinner. Speaking of, I'm sure Grimelda may have prepared something by now. Why don't we head inside? Y- yes. Uh,
5: and she's, like, looking excitedly towards the armor and the the hammer that's been crafted. And then towards the house.
1: Falstaff looks over the weapon and armor then glances at Alvin. We'll save you a plate. Can you finish up here? <laughs> you just hear the, the big man that you'd rescued from yetis the other day kind of give this uh, groan as Falstaff leads the pair of you inside, where... The rest of you have been being entertained by Grimelda over the last couple hours, hearing the sounds of the forge work through the wall muffled. She at one point got up and started preparing dinner and doing a head count, you see her ticking off on her fingers, uh, enlists your help, Brian. Oh. and after a moment grabs Dreamer. Right, uh, do you eat?
0: I'm good. Thank you.
1: Well, just because you don't eat doesn't mean you can't learn. You're going to be needing. And she pushes a big old mixing bowl towards you and points to a uh, sack of flour in one corner of the kitchen. (laughs) I'll tell you everything you need to do, just if you would be so kind.
2: Uh, This will be fun.
1: (laughs) Oh, don't think I don't have something for you. He just
0: wipes the smile from his face. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. just imagine Felgren smiling the moment she says that yes. just instant just like oh no <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
3: Rian's got a grin on too like ha, ha. reminds
2: him of someone who's yeah in your case she
1: uh, in your case she sets you up at the kitchen table with a large cutting bowl a, a couple of smaller mixing bowls and a heap of potatoes and onions
2: oh had to be this.
1: Right, you might as well get the uh, the onions out of the way. You know, you're gonna get a bit of a- and she kind of makes a motion towards her face, like tears running down.
3: I know the drill.
1: Good lad. You chopped onions
3: before there, grin. on of times. Interesting. I didn't take you as the cooking type. Not, but my mother is. Ah. A little bit, uh, little bit
2: He's of rubbing behind the, the curtain yeah rubbing the onion skin off he, he knows what he's doing nice <laughs> cuts off the ends chopping
1: and the a you know, very pungent scent of onion not affecting you dreamer but everyone else is tearing up a little as it fills the small space and
2: turns his nose up at it
1: by the time you're finished you hear in the mud room the heavy thumps of the others coming inside uh, alvin not accompanying Falstaff, Krellik, and Tavini as they make their way into the small kitchen where you've finished preparing dinner. The uh, lad's gonna clean up out there, but uh, looking forward to whatever you've made. Falstaff has this big grin on his face and immediately starts to sit down, but again, Grimelda snaps her fingers and then points to a wash wash basin huh. off to one side. I already can smell the soot on here, please. Thank you kindly. Yes. And the rest of you as well.
4: <laughs>
1: <laughs> We're not savages in here. <laughs> Tavini goes to wash out.
4: Nice. Yep, that are arguing.
1: The wash station is a little higher than you, Tavini, <laughs> so you are kind of like, you know, after a moment Grimelda kind of with a boot nudges a crate in your direction. You to stand on. <laughs> She'll move it into the
5: position so she can actually stand on it and see what she's washing.
1: Alright. You sit down to a comfortable dinner and about midway through, Rian, mm-hmm. there is a sack that you wore on your back up the road here. Mm-hmm. And that has, alongside some of the other packs that you folks carried in, been sitting against the far wall for a while and you're starting to see it now shift and a small bronze head poking out nostrils flaring as miri takes a big sniff of what you've been preparing as conversation at the table ensues
3: uh, do i see her do this do i see like the little restless? oh absolutely you're
1: almost you are staring across the table at this happening yeah
3: like huh i think I think I would just smile, essentially, and be like, uh, like, uh, essentially to Grimelda, be like, Grimelda, would you like to meet my daughter? <laughs> just out of nowhere. Oh, you where. brought
1: someone else with you. I, uh, uh, has she been out in the cold? You're a monster.
3: No, she hasn't been out in the cold, but I, I haven't been much better of a father, honestly. Then you would look back to, to Grimelda and then past uh, Miri, be like, Miri, why don't you come on
1: out and say hello? Finally! She sort of squeezes her way out from the pack, and uh, Grimelda and Falstaff give the, you know, packs in the, heaped in the corner very startled look at the sound of what seems to be a young child. And both of them just kind of, the forks in their hands clatter onto their plates as they stare at this small dragon struggling to climb out of your pack. Tavini hops up and scuttles over there to help her out. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank yeah. you, Tavini. Is that a...
3: Aye, that's a... You
1: have a very strange... <laughs> that's not a... You called it your daughter.
3: Aye, that is that is my daughter. My adopted daughter, Mary. Like, Come on over here, Mary. And I'd kind of, like, signal under the table for her to kind of run up and, you know, perch up on my shoulder.
1: I was about to say, I don't have a spare chair.
3: That's <laughs> no problem. And it's like she... She seems to be quite comfortable here, though. She's getting big, and I don't know how much longer she can fit on my shoulder. But in the meantime, this is uh, this'll do. But like, sorry, I didn't mean to hide her from you. Um, but you know, as you can see, she uh, she's quite a rarity around these parts. So I, I don't like to show her off too much. You know, as being uh, you know people people get a little greedy sometimes when they see something like her, or a little or a little fearful.
1: And uh, it's really very interesting. Miri, you can hear her small claws sort of mm-hmm. scrabbling across the hardwood floor mm-hmm. as she crawls under the table. And then you feel them, you know, pricking you through your shirt as she claws her way up onto your shoulder. And Falstaff has not said anything at this point, but just resumes eating, staring at the small dragon in their midst.
3: I think I'd, like, stab a piece of food and kind of hold it up over my shoulder for her to take a bite.
1: It has hardly left the plate before her head is darting forward and grabbing it off the fork and she's scarfing it down.
3: That's not very ladylike.
1: That's not very ladylike.
3: <laughs> I think he'd chuckle at that. Yeah, yeah, this is, uh... Yeah, this is my daughter, Mary. I, uh, I, again, didn't want didn't mean to keep her from you, don't worry, you don't have to be not to worry about her. She hates hiding in that pack, so I didn't want to leave her in there too long.
1: Uh, so. Grumelda, who, similarly to her husband, is staring at Miri, finally goes, You know, I can understand why people might want to steal her. She's gorgeous. Oh, such a pretty thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you feel Miri kind of sit up a little straighter on your shoulder, and she starts preening. Yep. You hear that, Miri? Oh, and very obviously aware of it too Um. Mm
3: -hmm. yeah she's a prideful little thing but uh doing my best to to raise her right in fact that's actually why i'm heading up to ten towns as uh as my my mother lives in ten towns and I, i could use a little help raising her i i don't honestly don't know the first thing about being a father so just trying my best
1: well discipline is the preferred approach Falstaff says as he continues to eat Of course he does He's still staring at his plate Gotta keep a firm hand on the family If you ask
2: Uncle Felgrin, confidence is key
1: Grimilda is rolling her eyes at Falstaff's words And kind of mouths No, really, it's He's a very sweet man
3: <laughs> I think Rian's rolling his eyes at Felgrin's
2: response well, She has plenty of that already So I suppose it's kind of moot That's
3: true, she does have confidence
1: at uh at that point Alvin comes stomping in takes off his boots starts to head to the table and nice gets pointed towards the wash basin <laughs> and while he is over there he kind of looks over his shoulder and see- seeing Mary oh so you finally introduced them
3: I I uh I uh honestly with the with all the happenings I I forgot about her for a minute and I feel terrible about leaving her in that pack for so long I Honestly, don't think I am, uh... Mary, I don't think I'm going to keep you in there anymore. We're, we're pretty far north here, and... We're planning on, if, you know, if everything goes the way I'm thinking, we're probably settling somewhere near ten towns anyway, so... Uh, anybody that sees you along the way at this point is probably going to see you at some point, so... I don't think I'm going to have you hide anymore.
1: All you hear from, you know, somewhere off... Almost behind your head, because she has sort of sat up a little... Mm-hmm on your shoulder is this relieved sound
0: <laughs> like oh. I, uh,
1: i'm so glad
3: i know i know it's been tough and you did so good up until this point it is i know it's been hard you spend more time in that bag than you have in breathing fresh air and yeah you, you've done good and you don't deserve to be cooped up anymore so from here on out you're riding shotgun and well, that's probably not a phrase that they would have. Um, what <laughs> is a shotgun? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like, well, a you're shotgun riding up top. And, why would you least ride until... it? Yeah. <laughs> 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 like well, you'll be, you'll be riding up top at least until, until I can't hold you up there anymore. And
1: if I was gonna be in there any longer, when I was big enough, I was gonna stuff you in a sack.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, well, that makes him smile.
3: Yeah. <laughs> well, I'd probably have that coming, but uh, just so you know, you oh, I'd know. I let you out. Only when other people went around.
1: She gives this very broad draconic grin. Ah, <laughs>
3: like, uh, yeah, little shit. I do love you, but eat up. I say, if you want to want to eat off my plate, feel free.